Church, this is the day the Lord has made. The one who loves us so deeply has called us and wooed us to this place. Church, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. That is our opening hymn. If you'll open up your hymnal, it's number 211. We'll sing verses 1 and 2 together. So as you do that, let us stand and worship God in song, church. The grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, and especially if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad that you are here. There is a friendship pad on each one of the uh, pews near the center aisle, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know you're here with us, whether you're regularly here or whether you're visiting today. Yesterday was quite a day in town. If you were anywhere near the center of town, you know it was a Patriots Day parade. And we had a float, and it won first place. It was, I, I, it's actually our preschool. Our preschool yes. had a float wishing us happy birthday. Lots of kids and families and some of us marched along. Beth sang and Abby sang happy birthday all along the way. It was quite something. And then we came back here, and you were so generous, you had donated over 2,000 cupcakes. And we ate about 1,000 of them. Uh, but you maybe have cupcakes that will show up from time to time. You just never know. And some of them you can even go buy at the Molokai Bake Sale to, to benefit their trip to Molokai. It was a wonderful day, and there were lots of people to thank. Jen Sweet and her team made an amazing float, and Darlene Gervin and her team did cupcakes just wonderfully. And, one, and the Citizen of the Year was Doug Miller. Doug Miller. And one of the Youth Citizens of the Year was Wyatt Shipp, who is also from our church. So it was quite a day for us, wasn't it? As, as part of our 100th anniversary this year, we are celebrating our preschool all of this month. Each month we're celebrating something different. So the ministry of our preschool is what we're pointing out this month. And the parade was quite a way to start that, I would say. There are many announcements that are going on and that are in your bulletin. One is that tonight Jerry's group that's going to Israel is having a meeting at 7 down in the youth center. You can see our women's retreat is next weekend. The camp has allowed us to delay our deadline a little bit. We are able to include more people. If you now wish you had signed up but didn't, you can sign up out at the cart today or online at our website for either just Saturday or for the whole weekend. It is going to be a wonderful, wonderful weekend if you, are go, if you signed up and you have not yet received a confirmation letter. Those are out at the cart today. You can pick it up if you need to do that. Our third Friday group on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, invites you to celebrate St. Patrick's Day with them. And they are going to be eating corned beef and they are going to be having a troop of Irish dancers. It will be lots of fun. You don't have to dance Irish. You just can watch people do it. 
Also, we have a new members orientation class. If you are considering becoming a member of our congregation, uh, or have even been thinking about that or are ready to join, this meeting will be on April 2nd, Sunday at 10 in the morning, and you're very welcome to come. You can sign up uh, out there also for that. This is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent began, began this last Wednesday on Ash Wednesday, and we are uh, offering several devotional guides throughout Lent. Uh, one of them is a little free one that is, uh, you can pick up on your way out. I still see some on the marble top table right there at the, out in the narthex, and there are a few on this side. Or if you would like one uh, by Walter Brueggemann, many of us are fans of Brueggemann. Uh, we have one for $10 by him. That's a little more reading per day, and that is also on the cart out uh, on the patio. Uh, as you, I mentioned, our Molokai group is sell, having a bake sale today to uh, benefit their trip to Molokai, the mission trip that they're doing during spring break. Our outreach group is collecting either cold or hot cereal for the um, pantry out in the uh, canyon, and you can contribute to that today. Uh, Linda White leaves on her mission trip to Cuba, a music mission trip this Thursday, so we want to be sure that we'll be praying for her throughout that whole time. Um, and next Sunday is Spring Forward. It is uh, end of daylight, beginning of daylight savings. End of daylight, beginning, beginning, beginning. It's you spring forward. So th those of you who are second service people, when you get here next week, you might discover it's first service because you come at your regular time. So you spring forward next week. Let's, uh, let's stop all this silliness and turn our hearts to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> let's pray together. God, you called us forth from the dust of the earth. You claimed us for Christ in the waters of baptism. Look upon us as we continue these 40 days and bless our journey through the desert of Lent to the joy of Resurrection Sunday. May our fasting be hunger for justice, our alms a making of peace, our prayer a chant of humble and grateful hearts. All that we do and pray is in the name of Jesus, for in his cross, you proclaim your love forever and ever. Bless this time of worship, we pray. Amen. Join me in the responsive call to worship that you'll find printed on the front of your bulletin. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. The Lord has promised. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and just gain or wealth, O oh Lord, compares to who you are. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing,
great is our God, church. How great is it to be here this morning and worship together. The prophet calls us to confession. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God for he will abundantly pardon.
Lord, you call us to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Free us, Lord, from our obsession with ourselves long enough to care for others. Kyrie eleison, Lord, have mercy. We sing together. Lord, you call us to put earthly things last, to make you our first choice. Free us, Lord, to be so concerned with the well-being of the human community that we don't have to worry about our place, our church, our values, our vested interests. Lord, you call us to search for your perfect will and to follow where you lead. Free us, Lord. Help us to know the joy and freedom of putting all our trust in you alone. Lift up our personal and silent confession. Let us pray. Amen.
Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Hear the good news. In Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. like to invite for you to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. I'll be reading from verse 30 through 44. You'll find it on page 41 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. This is the one miracle other than the resurrection of Jesus that has been mentioned in all four of the Gospels. So clearly, the writers wanted us to know the story of Jesus revealing his glory through this miracle. So Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 44. Hear now God's word. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away, so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who had eaten the loaves numbered five thousand men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Gracious God, our Father, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Since we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hunger for this heavenly food that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, we pray. Amen. The week before last, when I was on vacation, I found myself getting hooked on a TV show. There was something about it that was both fascinating and intriguing. It was pulling me in to watch one show after another. You know what they call that, right? Binge watching. The show was on Netflix, and it's called The Chef's Table. Any of you watch The Chef's Table? Oh, it's a great show. Yeah, it is. It follows famous chefs from all over the world. Of course, they talk about food, but what makes this show stand out from all the others is the way in which they integrate the biography, the personality of the chef, what makes their food, the, the taste, the presentation, the menu so unique. Each episode takes a look at a particular chef and what makes their cuisine set apart from all the others. The one that's captured me the most so far is the episode on Nancy Silverton. She's from Los Angeles. She owns four restaurants in Southern California, and she is the founder of La Brea Bakery. Hmm. As the episode begins, the camera pans in on Nancy as she's sitting at the dinner table, and she's just looking off into the distance. She has this inner confidence about her. Her opening line, I think you have to be obsessed with bread if you're going to be a baker. And then she went on. You're always looking at all the different nuances that make for the perfect loaf. When you're depending upon something that's alive, it can't be completely controlled. I dissect every single aspect of the bread so that I may someday make the perfect loaf. I'm starting to get hungry. All the while as she's sharing and they're interviewing other people about her, there's this warm, luscious, succulent loaves of bread that are appearing before the screen. And then there's someone's hands coming up, taking the bread, breaking it apart, and the steam is coming out of the bread. You could almost smell the scent of the bread coming out of the television screen. And I'm getting hungrier and hungrier. And one food critic he made this statement about her bread. He said, her bread doesn't just feed the palate, it feeds the soul. Well, what a claim. It's quite a claim. Wednesday morning as I was taking my walk, I was thinking about his statement, all the while thinking about my sermon for this morning. And I could tell someone was jogging up right behind me. I had my earphones in, but faintly I could hear this person jogging up alongside me. And then I could tell that he stopped and he leaned over and he said into my ear, what are you thinking about? Whoa. Oh, this is my good friend and a restaurant owner here in town. A good restaurant, by the way. And I said, I'm preaching about Jesus multiplying the bread and the fish on Sunday. And I was thinking about an episode of Chef's Table I watched the other night. Which one, he asked. I could tell he'd been watching the show too. I said, the one on bread. His eyes lit up. Ah, Nancy. I've had dinner at one of her restaurants. She even served my table. Let me tell you something. The bread is like nothing you've ever had. It was delicious. Oh, man, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. There are loaves of bread just circling inside my mind. I now am obsessed with having this bread of Nancy's. I was, are you getting hungry right now? Oh, I bet you're getting hungry. We got lots of cupcakes out there and some good goods for you. 
All right, they just keep coming and multiplying. Amen to that. Something I've become aware of the older I get, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I could go to her restaurant tonight, have that meal I've been thinking about, the big basket of bread, the pizza dough that she boasts about, the pasta, the salad with the mozzarella cheese on top. I could dig into that meal, and I know that I would thoroughly enjoy it. But I also know something about myself. I would wake up tomorrow morning, and I would be thinking about something else. Time and again in our lives, something that we thought would be so satisfying, so fulfilling, slowly but surely has a way of losing its luster. It happened a long time ago when you were a child at Christmas. Remember that Christmas list you had and you convinced your parents, if I could just have this one gift, I'll never ask for anything ever again. And they gave you the gift. And a few days later, it's off to the side and you're making your list for your birthday. It just happens all the time. And then the school acceptance came. And the job and the car. You remember your first car? Remember the first ding you got in your first car? And then there was the promotion, the raise, the newfound love, the relationship, the marriage, the children, the children's accomplishments that seemed like such a big deal, the house, the hobby, the perfect meal that you always wanted. What we thought would bring fulfillment, once attained, had a way of slowly but surely dissipating. I guess it's just in our human nature. And still we try again and again, hoping for different results. Could it be we were created for something so much more, more than something physical or emotional, more than something that would fill my stomach's hunger or the interest of my mind or the hope of my heart, something more, something deeper within? And we know the answer to the question. It's why we're here on Sunday morning. It's why we show up Sunday after Sunday. We know the answer to the question. It is yes. We were created with a soul. This soul which makes us who we are. Our very inner being of self. A soul, and you know how this works, it is longing for fulfillment. And it longs for something, satisfying something true. What your soul is longing for is perfect love. It's longing for unconditional, satisfying love. St. Augustine had it right when he said, our hearts, I think we could say, our souls are restless until they rest in him. Could it be that's why there was always a crowd around Jesus? Something they heard in his teaching, something they saw in his actions, the love they experienced when they were in his presence. Could it have been the inner soul within knowing and realizing there was something special about this person that nothing else in the world could ever compare? We pick up the story here as the apostles were returning from a mission trip. Jesus had sent out the apostles, his disciples, to go out and preach the good news of the kingdom of God. He told them to go out there and tell them that God is on the move. We have a God who is bringing and reconciling people back to himself to be in relationship. And with this message of salvation would come the miraculous signs and wonders to back up the truth of the teaching. We read that demons were being cast out, the sick were being cured, and with all of this, the crowds were increasing each and every day. And these apostles come back, and Jesus and the apostles are meeting up. You see what Jesus' first response was for them? He wanted to get away on a retreat. He wanted for them to go rest and rejuvenate. How important that was for those apostles. Important for Jesus, important for us to take time 
when our battery gets depleted and our fuel runs out to make sure that we retreat, rest, and rejuvenate, to be in quiet. I read a quote this week that said that the greatest enemy to our spirituality is our hurriedness. They get in a boat to travel on the Sea of Galilee to their lakeside retreat. Something comical happens here in the passage. The crowd, which is picked up significantly in numbers, is running along the shoreline trying to get to Jesus' destination before he gets there. He's thinking retreat. They're thinking retreat. There will be thousands of people meeting him when they get off the boat. No time for rest, I suppose. I remember a time when Jennifer and I, we had been waiting till all three of our sons were old enough to get on an airplane and have a week-long trip together as a family. I also remember it was a very busy year. It was draining, and I was tired. I was ready for rest. So we got a condo in Hawaii. I remember getting off the airplane, getting to our condo, walking inside, dropping my bags, walking up to the sliding glass windows. I could see the ocean right there. Beautiful. I opened the sliding glass window. I walked out on the patio. We were at the bottom level. And then I saw the green grass after the patio, and there was this hedge and then the ocean. So I got up to the grass. I took off my shoes and socks. It just felt so good to walk on that green grass. And I looked out, and there was the ocean. You know how this is when you get on vacation. I walked on the grass at the ocean, and I put my arms up in the air. Victory! time to rest and rejuvenate. And I started to put my hands behind my head. And just as I did that, there was a voice that called out to me from the balcony above our condo. And the voice yelled out, it's Pastor Sweet. (laughs) Mom, Dad, you won't believe this. Steve has the place right below us. This week's going to be awesome. My kids had a great time playing with their kids. We had some great meals together, but, you know, such is life, right? (laughs) That's the way it goes. Just can't get away. (laughs) Scripture tells us that the crowd had grown to 5,000. Matthew adds that didn't include all the women and children who were there, so some commentaries guesstimate the crowd could have been over 10,000 people. If I could pick a top Five of scenes I'd love to go back in time and see of Jesus, this would be one of them. I love this scene. Jesus gets out of the boat. He takes notice of the crowd. Scripture tells us he had compassion upon them. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. He sees souls in desperate need of finding fulfillment in the love of God. And so what does he do? He teaches them. We don't know exactly what he taught them, but we know for sure he taught them of the word of God. After a full day of teaching, it appears that the disciples are getting a little edgy, a little anxious. They're starting to think too much. Sometimes we just think too much. If they're thinking to themselves, if this goes on too long, we're going to have a lot of needy and hungry people on our hands. We can't have that. That might disrupt Jesus' ministry. So I'll tell you what, Jesus, here's what you should do. Send them away. Oh, by the way, here's a safety tip. Don't tell Jesus to do something like that. <laughs> Send them away. Have them go to some other county or some other village and get something to eat. And as usual, Jesus has other plans. In the Gospel of John, we're told that Andrew brought a boy who had five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus ordered for the people to sit down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. I read that if you had looked at this from an aerial view, it would look like a sheep dividing, a shepherd dividing up the sheep into different places so he could feed them. He takes the fish and the bread, he looks up to heaven, and he blesses and he breaks it, and a miracle appears right before their eyes. The food supernaturally multiplies to feed all of those people. And how many basketfuls do they have left over? Twelve. Wouldn't take long for the apostles, the crowd, 
Wouldn't take long for the reader of Scripture to catch on that something's happening here. Jesus is recreating and fulfilling a scene from the Old Testament when God fed the people in the desert for 40 years with the manna that came down from heaven. John's Gospel tells us that Jesus made this statement. I am the bread of life. Those who come to me will not hunger. Those who believe in me will never thirst. He went on to say, and listen closely, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world, this bread is my flesh, my body which Jesus would give for us on the cross to reconcile us back to God. They would get physically hungry again. Jesus would get physically hungry again. But had they listened to his teaching, had they accepted and had faith in their hearts that Jesus is the bread of life, they would soon find that their souls were being fed what their lives had been longing for since day one. It's what your heart, your soul has been longing for since day one. The love of God that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see his love? You see it? The compassion he had for the crowd? Teaching them the all-satisfying word of God? He uses the bread as an object lesson for himself in which they could understand from the youngest child to the oldest person. And he's saying to them, come to me and you will find what your heart, your soul has been hungering, thirsting, longing for, a bread that does not just feed the palate, a bread that will feed the soul, Jesus Christ. Maybe We've been waiting for the big miracle to show us God's love. All the while, right under our very eyes, the fish and the bread have been there. They've been multiplying, and we haven't even noticed it. And God is showing us each and every day how much he loves us. And if we just paused and stepped back and looked back, even through our life, we could see back years ago where this love was being shined through to our souls to reveal to us how much God loves us. One of our college students, she's applying to seminary right now, exciting time in her life. And she called me on the phone the other night and we talked and she asked me, do you think that I should live on campus when I go to seminary? And I said to her, you know, I think it would be good for you. I think there's all kinds of challenges it could present for you to be there. It could even be life-changing. You might want to think about it. And I hung up the phone, paused for a moment. I thought how valuable it was for me when I lived on campus when I was going through college. All of the relationships that were built, roommates that I had from different races and backgrounds and religions and when the guy down the hallway played his music way too loud and how I had to deal with that and, and Bible studies that I joined in that dorm. And I could go on and on how much it had shaped me to be the person I am today. Then I thought to myself, you know what? That almost didn't happen. When I transferred from Pasadena City College to USC, they said, we don't have any housing right now for transfer students, but if something opens up, we'll let you know. They had a few places that opened up. Two weeks before class started, you had to go to this lottery system and they would take your name and they would drop it literally in a fishbowl. And they'd pull out a name and they'd say, so-and-so, you have a place in this place. My name never came out of the fishbowl. Two weeks before. My youth pastor said, Steve, how about if you are a junior high counselor for us at Forest Home the week before school starts? Would you be up for doing that? I did it. I had a group of eight junior high boys in my cabin. Wonderful week. Every night before we turned out the light, we would go around that circle and we would each share a prayer request that we had. And for me, it was the same request every night. You already know what it was. I wanted to be able to live on campus. I love my grandparents, love my house, but I wanted to live on campus. And every night we prayed that prayer. The night before school started, 
I got a phone call from Jeff Dennis, this 12-year-old junior high boy at the time. He said, Steve, yeah. Hey, I want to let you know something. God is going to answer your prayer. Well, Jeff, that sounds great. I'm going to keep praying on it. I really hope he will. No, Steve, listen to me. God is going to answer that prayer. Well, yeah, maybe next semester. No, Steve, God is going to answer that prayer tonight. Well, Jeff, what you got going on? Well, Steve, my dad is right next to me, and he wants to talk to you. I said, well, who's your dad? Well, my dad is the vice president of USC. I thought you knew that. <laughs> Troy Hall 304. <laughs> Glory be to God. Just pause once in a while. Look back and see how just the few fish and bread have multiplied to be something great in your life. Think about how you could be that just a few pieces of bread and fish to someone to bless them so that they would see the love of God in their lives. Because for all of us, we all have one thing in common, don't we? Our souls are longing for the all-satisfying, fulfilling love of God that comes in Jesus Christ to us. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ is the bread of life, that all who come to him will not hunger, and those who believe in him will never thirst. Continue to fill our souls. We are hungry and thirsty. We long for you every day. Thank you for the promise of Christ, and we ask this in his name. Amen. I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward as we give of our tithes and our offerings.
Lord, we come to you now with the hungers of our hearts and the hungers of our world. Lord, come and feed those who are physically hungry and those who hunger for healing, for love, for a safe home, for freedom, for peace. We ask that you would satisfy all who hunger for you and for your great love. Fill all who hunger for a deeper walk with you. Come and feed us with your very self. We thank you, Lord, for this church and for your work in this place for these last hundred years. This month, we especially thank you for our preschool, for the many children and family and staff who have been part of this ministry to our community. We pray also for our own children and grandchildren and for children around the world, that each will be loved and valued by their parents, that they'll be safe and protected, that they'll receive health care and become educated and will grow into fullness of life. We pray for our choral director, Linda White, as she joins this ministry team to Cuba this next few weeks. We ask that you would multiply the fish and the loaves of the things that they are doing there, that you would reach many with your word and with your love, and that you would build long-term relationships within that country with Christians from here. We pray, too, for all who will be at our women's retreat this next weekend. We thank you for the chance that they have to step away from the busyness, to rejuvenate. And we ask that our hearts will be filled more fully with yourself. We bring you these gifts, O Lord, with great gratitude, asking that you will multiply them and use them for your purposes in the lives of many in this community and around the world. Even as we pray for the day, when your will is done on earth and your kingdom is, comes in its fullness, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And as an extension of that prayer, we sing this song, Multiply Your Love Through Us, Lord. Multiply your love through us To the lost and the least Let us be your healing hands, your instruments of peace. May our single purpose be to imitate your life. But through our simple words and deeds, let love be multiplied. Multiply your love through me to someone in need. Well, help me, Lord, to freely give this grace that I've received. Let my single purpose be to imitate your love. be multiplied. Let us see your kingdom come along. Let us see your kingdom come to the poor and the 
multiply your church to us to the ends of the earth where there's only barrenness let us see new birth use us as your laborers working side by side Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you this week that we may go and bless others. Amen.